Welcome to the OK Productive Podcast. Today we are interviewing Will Gant, but before we get to that, we would appreciate it if you follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at OK Productive. And you can also find and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's start talking to Will. Hey, Will, how's it going? It's pretty good. I'm uh, just enjoying life. You know, I uh, got to talk at MicroConf and then I came back and I'm executing on stuff now that I've returned. And man, it's been busy. You did a really good job at that lightning talk. What was your inspiration for, for moving forward and actually getting in front of an audience and talking about that subject? I guess the main thing there was like, I kind of just decided to do it one night and I wrote that talk proposal real quick and then it went through and I was like, oh crap, I've got to do PowerPoint now. <laughs> I've always wanted to speak more. The largest group I've spoken in front of professionally was about 40 people. And so, you know, jumping up to 180 was, you know, kind of a surprise. That's a big jump. Yeah. Well, the nice thing there is they have all these lights in your face. So you're kind of like a uh, bullfrog that's about to be caught. You don't really see what's going on around you. (laughs) (laughs) It makes it a lot easier. It was less nerve wracking up there than it has been at other talks I've done just because I couldn't see the other people. Why'd you choose that subject? Because I've noticed that a lot of people really have a hard time when they're doing content marketing, you know, as far as figuring out what they want to create and how to create stuff for their audience. and. When I first went to MicroCon, I was kind of intimidated by the people that could do that. And after getting the podcast going and and really moving forward with that, which, by the way, we're recording our 200th episode tonight. Oh, wow. Do you have a date when that's going to be published? It's in the next few weeks. I think it's in June. Well, we'll post a link to it when you have a link to the episode. That's awesome. 200 episodes. Yeah, it looks like June 6th. Eric, I think we're like 10% of the way there. So that's good. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, I realized it's that a lot of people have this as a pain point. And it's something that I was like, okay, I can help fix this. Because when we were podcasting early on, especially for like the first 20 episodes and probably a little bit more than that, even maybe even the first 50, we had a really hard time coming up with ideas. And, you know, I can remember sitting there and going through probably two bottles of wine with my partner just trying to come up with podcast episode ideas just off the top of our heads. And one thing we noticed was that, you know, we would put ideas out there and that was getting attention and starting conversations that were creating other ideas. And so we learned over time that really the trick is, is you come up with a few ideas and you use those to buy opportunities to get more ideas. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, they're like root ideas, so to speak. And then you have these like little branches of other ideas. I think that there's always an opportunity to do follow up on specific concepts, you know, we've covered sleeping way too many times on this podcast, but it always comes up as a topic that, you know, is a pain point when it comes to productivity is getting enough sleep. And ironically, we can keep talking about it over and over again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I totally get what you mean. That's awesome. Yeah, really good job on that. So we met a couple of years ago. So I was a three timer at MicroConf. So I met you at the round table. And at the time, I just started podcasting. And I don't know how many podcast episodes you had done at that point. And then when I came across your episode on journaling, I was like, that's a topic I want to do. It's a topic I want to do, but it's also something I want to integrate more into my life. And I thought you guys did a really good job. And that's a topic I wanted to talk about today. 
I don't know how, yeah, what made you decide to cover that specific topic? I think it just kind of came out of a conversation at dinner with Beej and I at some point back there. You know, he was going through some pretty rough stuff in his life and just kind of keeping notes on his progress. And it's really valuable. I, uh, I've kind of used it back and forth, you know, throughout my life. My grandfather journaled stuff uh, pretty uh, consistently. Like, what did your grandfather do for a living, if you mind me asking? He had an oil distributorship. Okay. He also was one of the first Allied troops to go into Buchenwald concentration camp. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And so we've got his little diary that he had. Of course, it was very, very sparse with what he would put in there because he was like, hey, if this falls into somebody else's hands. So there wasn't much information. It was just like, it was bad there. Yes. Wow, what a treasure. Yeah, exactly. But when he had the old distributorship, he would track sales and he had this printed out spreadsheet and he would track sales and track the weather and several other things, you know, just to, I guess, where he could look back over stuff and go, okay, this generally happens when the weather's like this. And so he was pretty obsessive about that. My other grandfather had a funeral home and he was also pretty obsessive about keeping notes and that kind of stuff. And that didn't really stick for me probably until I'd say five years ago or so. I was just kind of going through a lot of personal stuff and I started keeping a spreadsheet because I was trying to figure out why I was miserable in a lot of circumstances. And honestly, it was crappy tech jobs. We'll do that for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, kind of paying attention to, okay, I did these things on this day. What was my mood like after that? And so I started noticing if I just write code, I'm not as happy as I am if I'm writing code and I'm writing specs or if I'm writing code and I'm fixing bugs, or, you know, I have to mix stuff up a little bit. And so I started learning more about myself by doing that. And then I started, you know, tracking my diet. I kind of do this on and off with a lot of things as I'm trying to fix them. So I'll probably get back to tracking my diet again. You know, I'm kind of running out of belt notches again, so I've got to start fixing that. But I've learned over time that if I consistently track stuff, when I go back, I get surprising insights out of it. One thing I started doing was keeping a monthly journal. So at the first of the month, I write basically a kind of like a scrum. I do, you know, here's what I did last month, how I felt about it, what I'm doing this next month, how I feel about that, and what were the roadblocks and main takeaways out of that. And so I have those going back for several years. I haven't been perfectly consistent, but I've been fairly consistent about it. And I get insights out of those pretty much every time I revisit them, like we're doing our 200 podcast episode and we had to go back and say, here's where we were when we started. And, you know, here's how I've personally grown since then. And so like, I'm looking at stuff from close to four years ago and like, I'm seeing things that I didn't realize. Like, for instance, there was more tension in my marriage four years ago than there is now. And I think one of the things that probably helped kind of correct that, and it's not like it was bad tension. It's just, there was more than there is now. It's, you know, more relaxed. and the deal there was is my wife and I both have started really pushing ourselves to do harder things. So, you know, for instance, I got up and I spoke, you know, we're doing the podcast. I'm learning Russian. You know, she's running marathons. She's going back for a doctorate and we're both happier because of that. And it's obvious looking back that I'm happier, but I wouldn't have noticed that without the journal because, you know, you're kind of always in the eternal present when you're experiencing things. Whereas if you write it down, you can compare. It's really interesting that doing more challenging things relieve the tension. 
Yeah. But it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, because you have to value your time together. Also, any frustrations you have are going to be with the hard stuff you're doing. Like you're not going to gin up drama on either side because you've got enough. Learning declensions in Russian will pretty much get you over any kind of need to have more difficulty (laughs) in your life. (laughs) Thank you for that story. I really like, uh, correct me if I'm projecting a little bit here, but the family history of journaling and being able to see some insights into your grandfather's lives and then being able to start doing the same sorts of reflection and observation in your own life. That seems like a really intuitive way to just get into it without a lot of the uh, prescribed cruft that we tend to get thrown at us these days with uh, productivity and journaling. Yeah, actually, I was just on productivity and tech. I don't think that episode has come out yet, but I'm pretty good friends with a guy that runs that, Jay Miller. And we were talking about all the productivity porn, you know, like how people will go, oh, this makes me more productive and here's my new system and how much time you spend just trying to do a system versus just doing something. My system for my journaling is the most ghetto thing ever. It is, I use Visual Studio Code and I have text files in Dropbox. That's it. But it works. Is that how you started out? Yep. Because I did the laziest possible thing that could work and I never really needed more out of it than I was getting. Now, when I have done some other things, like if I'm tracking you know, food intake or I'm tracking workouts and those kind of things, I might use Excel. I try to stay out of Excel as a rule. But sometimes I get, you know, drug in there. Like if I need to aggregate stuff, then sure, put it in a spreadsheet. But if it's really a bunch of subjective experiences and kind of goal setting, I want it to be as open as possible. I don't want to be fighting with, oh, where is that on the stupid tabbed toolbar, right? Like I just want to get stuff out. Gotcha. Okay. So one area I'm especially curious about, and you've already given some insight into, is the ideas of like knowing when and what to journal about. So would you mind talking about a little bit more in depth, like what you started like five years back when you were journaling, how often and what that looked like, and then how it's changed and what sorts of things you're keeping track of now. And maybe add in a little bit of like why you added some of the things that you're tracking now or writing down in your journal that you weren't five years ago. I guess five years ago, I was trying to think when I actually started that. There were two or three really bad jobs in a row. And I was really, really stressed all the time really unhappy all the time. Uh, I didn't feel like my life was moving forward. And I started tracking everything I was doing because I was trying to get some kind of insight into, okay, maybe I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. You know, maybe I'm doing stuff that doesn't give me life. And over time, once I started paying attention to that, I got to the point where I wasn't doing stuff on a daily basis, right? I'm not reactive anymore. It's more like I'm looking at longer term. So initially, you know, it it was the whole daily thing and okay, well, let's see what happens tomorrow. And then you start moving back to a week. And when you're doing stuff at a weekly level, like you're not listing every little thing that you do at that point, you're just going, okay, generally speaking, I did this, you know, in this context, generally speaking, I did this other thing in this context. And I just kept stepping further back until I got to monthly. And I could probably honestly jump back to quarterly, but monthly seemed like it was good enough. and. It's not that I added stuff so much as I started simplifying because I realized there was a lot of stuff I was tracking that really wasn't useful anymore because I'd gotten all the insight I could get out of those things. And so like the monthly thing got to be my main focus at that point. 
then as I have, you know, been doing the monthly thing a bit more often, you know, if I look back at the previous three months and I see the same problem coming up, then my goal then is to go, okay, how do I get rid of this? And start either looking at a journaling strategy to start getting more information to get rid of it, or I start basically forming a project plan for it. So for my day-to-day task tracking, I use Nosby, and it's just a to-do list with projects in it. And I've got that wired in. So I'm also using Kanban Flow, which is a basically a Kanban board. And some of those, you know, like for multi-step processes, it's really handy on that because I can hook, I can use Zapier hooks to push stuff into Nosby from there. Sweet, sweet Zapier. It is so cool, man. (laughs) And I don't really use it for that much stuff, but, you know, we have a Kanban for the podcast, but I live out of Nosby. And so when Beach moves a card, I get notifications that pop up in Nosby. So if, you know, a card enters a certain lane, back when I was writing an email newsletter, I would get a thing that goes, hey, you need to write the email newsletter for this. You know, you need to schedule the email to go out. It would hook up all that kind of stuff. You know, we also use it for posting to social media. So I kind of have multiple tools, I guess, but I'm mainly look at my to-do list out of Nosby. I guess I kind of have a mix that works for me at this point, although it's always changing. Gotcha. So it sounds like originally you started with the journaling to identify things that were like stresses coming from work. And home life and diet and sleep. Oh, yeah. Whether the dogs barked at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, like I had so much stuff on that stupid spreadsheet. It wasn't even funny. How long does that take you on average to track that stuff? And how do you keep staying consistent when you do it? Oh, with that, it was 20 minutes a day just filling in the junk for that day. And now, I mean, I can do my monthly review in probably 10 minutes. Okay. And it sounds like the idea of scaling it out to a month is you're able to focus on the bigger things that just stick with you over the course of a month. And those are the things that you want to focus on because they're the ones that are lingering around. And it also puts me towards a focus on opportunity more than frustration. Because like most frustrations don't last a month. So you look back on it and you're like, yeah, there was some stuff that was irritating me there, but it was gone the next month. And you know, here's the stuff that I was doing that was going well. And I can look back and go, hey, I've had this huge growth curve over this time. And so it's more encouraging when you look back because, you know, if it's all bad stuff, you don't want to look at it. It's hard to get the utility out of it. Now, I also do another thing that's kind of weird. I get in a float tank. I don't know if you're familiar with those like sensory deprivation tanks. I've heard of this before. Yeah, there was a YouTube channel. They did a whole episode and the actor from like Lost and Lord of the Rings. I forgot who it is, but he does those. It looked really interesting, but... There's something like this where you live, I guess. Yeah, there's a couple of them now because like all these hipsters like them. Wow. Which is kind of weird because you're like, I wonder how many beard hairs are floating in here with me. But (laughs) (laughs) And mustache work. Yeah, it's like there's like a faint (laughs) whiff of IPA in here. Well, that's strange. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, usually about once a quarter or semi-annually, I will go down there and I book two sessions back to back. And they're 90-minute sessions with a 30-minute break in between. And I just stay in the tank the whole time, which is insane. But, you know, you're three and a half hours in total darkness. You can't feel the edge of your body. And what's interesting with that is anything that's like a a thought that comes up in there on a consistent basis, you know where your problems are because you're locked in the dark with them. And I found that that tends to bring out a lot of stuff that kind of helps me out as well, too, 
you know, where I'll look at it and go, okay, I, I need to be working on this over the next, the next quarter before I come back in here. Interesting. Yeah. So how long have you been doing that now? Three years, I think. Wow. Now, what has changed or what have you improved upon when it comes to journaling over the last few years? Well, I would say the minimalism is a big part of it. Also kind of writing down my emotional reactions to stuff. When you say minimalism, you mean like you're writing down less stuff or you're being more focused? More succinct. Okay. You know, because like you don't want to have like the Ayn Rand style monologue of, you know, all the things at the philosophical points. You just want to go, I don't like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want like something quantifiable, it sounds like too. Like it's something that you said, your emotional state. And then that way you could see this action gave you this emotional state. These actions gave you that emotional state. This changed up this way. This changed down. It sounds like that. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. And separating the act or the situation from the state has been extremely valuable as well. Okay. And here's another weird idea that I've been kicking around a lot. You know how like there's a certain subset of the population that seems to really like astrology and how that's like kind of a load of crap. Right. But one thing I do think that that does for a lot of people is they start to look at life as a series of cycles. And one thing I've noticed with my emotional state on stuff is that the same thing applies. So over time, your emotions regress to some mean. And you should be moving that mean versus moving the highs up or the lows up. You just go, hey, I want the average to be better. Basically, don't try fighting the cycle. The cycle is going to be there, but at least move the mean up so that way the whole cycle moves up with it. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, because like, I'm always extremely frustrated the first quarter of the year. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it is the weather. Some of it is the nice credit card bill from Christmas. Yeah. Followed up by Valentine's Day, my wife's birthday, and taxes. Like, you know, I get hit just three in a row right there. Like, I know consistently I don't need to start new projects in the first quarter of the year because my mood is not such that that works well. Whereas after about April 15th, I'm pretty good. Yeah, that makes total sense, which is ironic because we've talked about it on this podcast before, but people love to start stuff in January because it's a new year and they have a new you or a new resolution. And it's like, yeah, especially with you talk about the weather, try moving up here to Michigan because it's probably one of the greatest places in the world this time of the year in January. So, yeah, it's not exactly the best time to start stuff. I agree completely. Well, and the other thing about, you know, starting on January 1st is if you've got a new resolution and there's other people involved, like you're going to the gym, all those people are there and you get to watch them all quit. <laughs> yeah. Versus going in April and it's, hey, all the hardcore people are there that aren't going to quit. We had a bunch of below zero and uh, snow days in February. And yeah, that was the end of those folks at the gym. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's also, that could be discouraging for everyone else too. And I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. And I really didn't get that insight until I started observing this over a longer period of time. And, you know, I basically treat the beginning of my year as April 1st. I'm like, it's close enough for government work. Basically, I can say, okay, my year begins April 1st. By then, I usually know what my taxes are. I can start planning. And as soon as I'm out from under the tax situation, which hopefully isn't too bad because I'm doing a little bit better with that, I'm ready to roll and I'm kind of hitting my stride right as my daughter is out of school. And so, I'm not having to take her to school in the mornings. You know, I could double down on effort right at the point where I need to on most things I'm doing. I could fully get on board with that. Let's just forget about January through March and let's just start at April 1st. Well, I mean, the thing about that part of the year, that's when you wrap up stuff from last year. 
right? You're kind of cleaning things up. You're going, okay, I'm getting stuff ready. It's okay to, you know, you clean your house, you do all that kind of stuff, but you don't want to start a new project. You know, something where you want to be hopeful and moving on an uptrend, you do that when the weather is helping. Yeah, I agree completely. So on our last episode, we had Jonathan on and he was talking about how he keeps his ideas and his emails and his tasks organized. I wanted to ask you, it sounds like you're you're doing your journaling on a granular level, like you're saying, uh, like every so month or every so week, every so quarter. How do you keep your journaling organized? Besides, it sounds like you have the text files in Dropbox, but then how do you organize, like, say, a quarterly journal versus a monthly journal versus a daily journal? Basically, what I do is I have reminders in Nosby. So, like, I do kind of like a modified getting things done approach. So, I have my projects in Nosby, and then I have tags for when stuff should happen. Of course, you have, like, your priority thing that's like, hey, here's the stuff for today. Then I have one that's, you know, zero zero dash now. And then there's zero one dash next. Now is within the next two days. Next is within the next two weeks. And then there's soon, which is every two months. And then I have scheduled tasks to triage different buckets in there. So every day I look at now and next and figure out, you know, if stuff should be promoted up from next to now and from now to priority. In other words, it's what I'm doing today. And then on Sundays and Wednesdays, I do all the way down to soon you know, which is like the bucket three and go up. And so I have recurring markers for those things. And just when I get up in the morning, you know, I know, hey, it's Wednesday. You know, here's where I've got to look at to triage all this stuff and then just go. And so the journal tasks are in there, you know, along with that. Gotcha. So I'm starting to sense that maybe I might be hanging on a little bit of the uh, semantics here because I went into this thinking that I don't really journal. Although after hearing you talk about how you started out with journaling a little bit and the sorts of things that you record, it's making me think maybe writing down my exercises, which I do, maybe that could be considered as a form of journaling. And I also have a print version of my weekly tasks and do check-ins with my best friend every Monday too on those. So maybe it's not fair to say that I don't journal. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I told Beej at one point, I was like, look, I don't journal much. I'm not like you. And he looked over at me and just kind of stared at me for a second. He goes, are you high? He goes, you write everything down. You're journaling all the time. And he started explaining basically what you just said. He's like, you know, you're always tracking your stuff. You're always organizing your stuff. Like, just because a journal entry is not a diary. That was really eye-opening for me because I hadn't really thought of it that way. Yeah, so it sounds like there's this element of mindset or the term, like what we think when we hear the word journal. So is that the moment that made you realize that you had been journaling and allowed you to redefine the word and think of more ways that you could interpret, like, what does journaling mean in your life? Uh, a little bit. I mean, I argued with him for a minute because that's fun. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was totally right on that. You know, He totally called it. And that really has made a huge difference. And now it's a core part of my approach to things is to go, OK, I'm going to write down you know, what I think I should do on this and especially get like the emotional context of it. Because it's really weird when you look back at stuff and you don't see that part because you can go, okay, I was in this state when I was doing this. So really what I meant by this word was this thing versus just the word because it's always emotionally loaded in some way. You know, even if it's like, hey, I aspire to be interviewed on 15 podcasts this year. Well, if you're saying that from the perspective of, oh, I feel like I'm not really moving my life forward, 
and I'm doing that versus, hey, I want to do this because I'm you know excited. There's a different feel to that. And you get a lot more information out of it looking back. I'm always really careful to get that down. Yeah, it sounds like one of the big distinctions there is thinking of journaling in terms of some kind of a reflection. Yeah. Nice. What would you say, like, I want to start journaling. I just do the weekly task list. That's about it. What are some first steps that I can do that would encourage me to continue it? I would probably just do it like a scrum, just kind of like my monthly journal is. What you did last period, whatever that is, what you're going to do next period, in other, in other words, your goals, and then insights and kind of a list of what's blocking you. So you're kind of doing almost like a sprint retrospective if you're familiar with like agile programming. So what if you're not a pro, because we have some folks who aren't programmers or developers, like basically a scrum is like something you do every day where you're like basically saying, what did I work on yesterday? What am I going to work on today? And what is preventing me from getting those things done? And then it sounds like you're also attaching some sort of like emotional status to that as well, which isn't typically done with a scrum. Does that sound correct? Yeah. And also getting the retrospective. Do you do a retrospective every day or is that something you do on the much more long-term? Oh, the long-term. Okay. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. Cause it's really easy to get in the minutia if you do it daily. Whereas monthly, like, okay, this is a long enough time period that it matters. Yep. Yep. And you know, like I have stuff in there, like, you know, February and March, I have been writing a book. I'm still in the editing purgatory period of book writing. <laughs> I wrote about 200 pages of text in February and March, which is insane. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And so I had to put down the insight of, hey, this is kind of almost a superpower for me. Like maybe I should be using this more because I didn't know that I could really do that until I kind of had to. And I got my processes down and now I'm looking at it going, you know, the insight I got out of this was, yeah, I probably ought to be writing more. And that vocal is... That's really interesting. Yeah, because you need that long period of time in order to look back and like see how much you've done. Otherwise, yeah, that's really interesting. What are some tips for helping people continue journaling, like making it simple? You already mentioned that when you started doing daily and it was taking 20 minutes, now you've gotten to a point where you can do a monthly one in 10. Do you have any other recommendations for keeping it simple or fast or like making those habits stick or like get a lot of value out of them early on so they can keep going? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is obviously just do it in a text file or on a piece of paper. You know, don't systematize stuff like you should never optimize things until you actually know what you're doing. Yes, exactly. We've talked about early optimization in an episode before. Yeah, it is so destructive. I mean, and that's a tendency programmers have anyway. It's like we'll build up this massive, crazy system that's pluggable. And it's like, I just needed to write text to a file. Yeah. And we have that tendency to gold plate stuff. So don't start with that. That's the first thing. The other thing I would do is every time I write an entry for a while is I would look back at the previous one and start looking for what the diffs are. So if you can see what changed between last time and this time, it's often very instructive in terms of what is a better way forward over the next time. What do you see are some pitfalls that people fall into when they start journaling? Writing down too much can be one thing, just simply because it chews up a bunch of time. And if you wrote a big one last week, you feel obligated to write a big one this week. It's really interesting that you say the problem is writing too much because I would think it'd be the other way where you're writing too little. But do you think just people write too much and they think that they've wasted way too much time on it? 
Yeah. Is that what the problem is? Okay. You know, that's the worst thing. The other thing is always write it in such a way that it's for you only. So my wife does not have access to my journal. My business partners don't have access to my journal. My employer, same thing. It's just for me. And so I can be as blunt and as frank as I want to be in there. That has been extremely helpful at times because sometimes you you have stuff that you kind of just need to get out there and like, here's how I really think about this. Not, oh, well, I feel like I'm being a little bit disrespected. You know, you can actually say exactly what you think. That's very useful as well, because one thing you'll do is you'll come back and you'll look at those things and you'll see whether you were accurate. Right. That makes sense. Did you find it challenging to have that mindset from the get go? I'm kind of paranoid about security, so not really. You know, I had my stuff kind of, you know, in my Dropbox and it's not accessible to other people. So I was pretty comfortable being reasonably blunt, at least once I started monthly journal. Now, some of the earlier stuff I kind of was because when I was earlier on in my career, I had more of a feeling that if people ever read something I wrote that they didn't like, that they would be really judgmental. And my experience has been that that's not really the case anyway. Well, you know this, like you've you've got a podcast. So if you put out anything creatively, you're kind of showing your id to the whole world. Right. I mean, heck, if you watch Game of Thrones, you can look and go, hey, George R.R. Martin might be a kind of a messed up dude. Yeah, I see exactly what you mean. Yeah. I mean, we're creating, we're projecting from our own experiences and our own backgrounds. Yeah. But the thing about him is, is, yeah, it's very clear that he's projecting all this stuff and that he very likely is a messed up dude. You know, I can't speak on that one way or the other, but nobody cares. They still love his stuff. Mm-hmm. So another thing that I wanted to try and ask you about was a lot of our focus on productivity. It tends to be focused on our work or the creation part or whatever brings in money. I was really happy to hear that you're also journaling about every other aspect of your life. So do you have some specific ideas of, that you do or that you have thought about doing or you would recommend other people do to try and apply journaling to relationships or any advocacy work and other important parts of our lives that aren't just our like nine to five or whatever's bringing in the money or taking care of our homes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for, you know, any relationships, you know, even for like figuring out, like if your kid acts out in certain ways, if you're taking note of what's going on, a lot of times you can figure out what sets them off. Or you can, you know, figure out, okay, hey, this is what the kid really likes versus what I think they like, you know, judging by their actions. You can keep a food journal. Beach figured out that he was allergic to onions based off of a food journal. And you'd be surprised how many people have mild to fairly nasty allergies that they don't realize because they're not tracking what they eat or they're taking in a lot more calories than they think they are, which was the thing I discovered. You know, there was one point there where I I think I was drinking a beer or two every single night there for like a month or two, a few years back. And I felt like crap all the time. And so I started tracking my food and liquid intake and realized, oh, wait, this is a habit. I don't want this habit. And this is why I'm kind of tired in the mornings and I'm running out of belt notches, as I like to say. And so that's helpful. There's really no end to it, right? Like you can track everything in business. You can track everything in your personal life. You know, I also have my task list. I can look back over tasks that I completed on a certain day. And and I do that. I'll do searches on that stuff sometime. And so I can see, you know, when I last pressure washed the driveway. Oh, that's great. Because then you could look at your task list and see when you crossed it off and then 
you'll know, okay, I need to do it, whatever, a year or two years from that date. Yeah, uh, there's a ton of recurring tasks in mind now for everything from changing batteries in the smoke alarms to the air filters and the air conditioning to, you know, like I have a monthly task to go to Costco for bulk uh, shopping. And I've got a grocery list in there and all the items are tagged in there so I can go through the house and say, okay, this is tagged as kitchen dash flour. So let me look at, you know, okay, I got bread flour, I got rye flour, I've got cornmeal, I got all, you know, do I have it up to a particular stocking level? And if I do, I can check it off. And then I take that project and I go to Costco and I grab whatever I don't have and I get all my sundries in one shot. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a little over-engineered to be straight up honest, but my daughter likes running through the house with the phone, doing all that stuff. And so (laughs) it's really hard for me to justify simplifying that because if I simplify it too much, then she won't do it and I'll have to. I'm all about delegating, especially that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I have stuff like that. You know, any recurring task I have pretty much anywhere, you know, all the way down to, hey, you know, it's time to take the recycling out. And that's all on my agenda for the day. So I don't have to think about anything that doesn't provide increased value in one way or another. What are some ways you're looking at maybe improving that over the next year? Well, I'm really frustrated with a couple things in Nosby. The first is, is I can't really track multi-step tasks as well as I would like. That's been pretty painful just in terms of like all the stuff with the podcast or, you know, I have like recurring task lists for all the stuff that goes into an episode that I have, you know, I have checklists for that. I mean, I can do templates, but I would like to be able to say, okay, here's a new episode, you know, turn this into a project that has all these things in it. And it's, it's kind of clunky on that. I don't like the search feature on there. So I would love to have it where I can say, Hey, this task is in this price range. So, you know, if there's stuff that is zero cost and takes 15 minutes, you know, if I'm sitting here and I've got 15 minutes and I'm broke, what can I do to, you know, get stuff out of the way? Oh, interesting. Could you tag stuff and then just look for tags like that? You can, but you can only really look for like one tag. Okay. Cleanly at a time. And like, I want like pre-save buckets of stuff. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so that's a little bit annoying. The other thing is I don't have a good knowledge base. Like I've got my journal entries, but then there's stuff like, okay, what IP addresses are the machines on my network? And I have to go to the router and figure that out. And it's like, if I had that just right here in a place that makes sense, I wouldn't have to fiddle with the passwords and try to remember what password I use for the router, that kind of stuff. You know, keeping track of recipes is another spot. So like, I feel like I should expand what I have to include some kind of knowledge base just for around the house type stuff. It sounds like that would be really valuable for sharing as well, you know, in case something happens to you or you're out of town or whatever, and something important like that comes up, then you have it down and you can ask someone else to jump in and take care of it for you. And it's also helpful because my memory is not that great. I try to build systems that don't rely on my memory. And so I do all kinds of other stuff too. Like I've got all kinds of other hobbies. You know, I make homemade wine. I make sauerkraut, I make kimchi, I make homemade bread, you know, I do all this stuff. And some of those things, like, you know, they're multi-step processes and there's details you need. So like if you're, you know, you're making homemade wine, you're like, okay, at this temperature, you know, this recipe will be done fermenting at this time. And then if I, you know, I need to add this much sugar at this point, or I need to, you know, do certain things at certain times. And it's kind of a, almost a more complicated workflow. and I feel like 
my way of doing things right now doesn't handle that all that well. It's funny you're talking about uh, getting a knowledge base because we met yesterday, Eric and I, and we're talking about the podcast and we're like, we should have a knowledge base of how our processes work. Like, for instance, with producing the podcast, not necessarily because we need to delegate it. I mean, there's a possibility we could delegate some of the tasks, but it's just nice to be able to like have that stuff down so we know the process. And in case we do delegate, that, that data is available, that knowledge is available to someone else. Yeah, it makes it easier to scale. It's also easier to checklist everything. Yeah, exactly. That's a huge thing for us that has burned us in the past, you know, especially with Facebook Live, where you have, you know, we were using uh, Restream. We were using the free version of it. And, you know, we would forget to hook up a piece of equipment or we would forget to share in the Slack channel that we're going live or there's always something. And, you know, I want to start having checklists on stuff like that just so that everything is sane. I don't have to worry that, you know, did I screw something up? Like that shouldn't be a thought process I have when I'm trying to be creative. I live stream uh, with my wife. We play video games and she obviously, she's not as technical as I am, but she really enjoys it. But I'm the one who usually sets it up, but I'd love to just set up like a step-by-step list for her so she could like figure out how to get started in case I'm doing bedtime for the kids. But yeah, there's a lot of steps even with like live streaming that you have to know and get through. You know, the thing is, is like as an individual, I don't want to purchase a workflow product for enterprises so I can manage the random stuff that I do all the time. (laughs) You don't have a purchasing department to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. I am my own purchasing department. (laughs) That's a terrible thing as it is. (laughs) But yeah, so like I do feel like there's a lot of stuff with tasks that if I had more information that was searchable on a task, I could probably... I could probably up my productivity and reduce my stress level because the worst thing in the world is sitting there burning time, you know, by the second and going, what could I be doing right now? And I have no idea. Yep. And so I try to avoid that state. Yeah. And that's where task list is very helpful. You know, and I also tag stuff. So like I have tags in my system for basically every store around here, every member of my family, every member of my, you know, close social circle. And so I've got a friend that I haven't seen in, four or five months, and I'm hoping to hang out with him here in the next couple of weeks. And I got a couple of things under his tag, you know, that when I go in and I sit down with him, I'll be like, oh, hey, by the way, I've got a bottle of wine for him. I've got, you know, a few other things like that. And it's nice to have that because it, it kind of idiot proofs your life. Yeah, it seems like there are tons and tons of applications too, like keeping track of some of the recipes and stuff like that. I'm really into knowledge sharing and just sharing any cool things. I host a monthly event where like the sole purpose is to just like share tech that people are doing and creating and stuff like that. But I couldn't help but think like writing down some of those recipes like that, it'd be really easy to start some workshops and get other people into doing some of these things. And it's all coming out of this uh, journaling habit that you've developed. Yeah. And I mean, bear in mind, recipes were the first really good example of what open source is. Yeah. Yeah. It's communism without the uh, scarcity. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'd like to start wrapping things up. What I'd like to do is do a recap of two or three of the the biggest, like best, most bang for your buck sorts of things that you would recommend someone do to get started journaling and then see the power or like what it can do for their lives so that they can keep it going. Okay. I think the first thing would probably be to start small and start 
daily or maybe weekly. I wouldn't go much above that and do it with the aim of figuring out where the big problems actually are based off of data. So I feel bad when I'm constantly doing this thing at work versus, hey, I really like this other thing. A lot of times you won't see that until you've really looked back over like a week or two of stuff. So that would probably be the first thing. The second thing is, you know, once you start really fixing a lot of the problems close in, you need to start stepping back continually and trying to plan further. The longer that your planning horizon is, the more power you have. You know, like these old rich banking families, they plan like at 100 year increments. You know, they're like, okay, where would I like to be in the year 2200? Or where would I like my family to be? Whereas people that are not doing so well tend to be reactive and they're like, what am I going to be doing five minutes? And so the more you can step back from that, using the journal to drive it, the better off you are. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was really, really helpful and uh, given me a lot to think about. And I am very much going to start some of these because he definitely shared a lot more insights than I'd ever imagined. And I ever see from a lot of the like social media and blog types of posts about, I guess, the like stereotypical types of journaling that we see in productivity circles. So thank you very much. Yeah, well, this has been fantastic. I'm looking forward to trying some of this stuff out. If listeners want to find you, what's the best way to find you and learn more about journaling and other productivity skills? I would say the podcast, which is uh, completedeveloperpodcast.com. We do a weekly software development podcast and we say it's software development, but it's like half productivity and life skills started out as being all software development. And we just kind of got pulled into this other world to, as we became complete developers effectively. Yeah, it's hard to separate yeah. the two. Really, <laughs> That's probably the easiest way as far as following my stuff. You can usually get a hold of me on Twitter eventually. I'm at GantSoftSys on there. I'm not on there a ton just because I've gotten to the point now that I realize I need to be creating content more than I need to be consuming it. So I'm kind of in one of those cycles. I'll probably be back on Twitter more towards the end of the year when I'm kind of tapering down. That's probably the two easiest ways to get a hold of me, especially the podcast, because if you're, you know, if you send us an email or you contact us through the site, the responses are very, very quick there. Awesome. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to listening to your 200th episode. That's an awesome milestone to reach. Yeah, it's really strange. You know, uh, I didn't think we would make it this long when we started out. You know, I thought we'd make it like six or eight episodes and then that would be it. Because, you know, you think most people quit, but the biggest thing for us was having a weekly routine with it so that, it, you know, you do it, you do the work on a consistent basis and the work eventually fades into the background noise. And so you don't feel like you're doing yeah. anything special. It's like your morning commute. Like the first time you had a 30 minute morning commute, it was awful. But if you do it every day, you don't even notice it. Yeah, I feel the same way too. I think we have like a weekly routine now. That's really helped allocate time for it, but also just getting into the, the pattern as well. I think that's another thing that the journaling helped as well, right? It's like allowing me to create a routine based off of what I was actually doing and trying versus reactive stuff. Yeah, yeah, completely. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And if folks want to find us, we're on Twitter at OK Productive and Instagram as well. Subscribe to your, our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, every single podcasting platform. Okay, productive. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate your time, Will. Thanks.